Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the smasher of meritocracies, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the chair is Michelle Medansky, who's been on the show before to talk about her research into harassment and discrimination in the tech industry, which was called Elephant in the Valley and was a long time ago. She now has a new version of that study, and we're going to talk about it, what has changed in the past couple of years, and, of course, what hasn't. Michelle, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you for having me. So you say you're just going to talk and tell me things. I would love to know what's good. Like, let's, let's review what you do. Tell the people what you've done in your long and storied career. Okay. So I am an independent uh, market research consultant, and I work mainly with digital media companies. So right. my, my clients have been Pinterest, Twitter, Chegg, Baby Center, Postmates, Uber, et cetera. Um, my last full-time job was at Yahoo, Yahoo. Where, where I ran market research from 2003 to 2007. Did you find out people didn't like Yahoo? um, (laughs) They did at the time. It was a good time (laughs) to be at Yahoo. Yeah, I know. I'm teasing you. And I'm here because I'm co-author of The Elephant Valley, which I'm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I kind of got into this project in a very sideways manner. Right. So most people that we've heard about who are talking about gender bias in tech— had something bad happen to them. Right. Ellen Powell, Susan Fowler, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got into this is because I'm a market researcher. Right. So, so you got you to put numbers to this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, the background is the Ellen Powell trial, 2015. Mm-hmm. Recode is doing a great job blogging about this every single day. We did. We you had did. two reporters on it. We had the very excellent Liz Gaines and Nellie Bowles also, who did an amazing job, and it was great. And they did amazing coverage, the two of them. They did. And like many women, I was following this every day, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all kind of reading about this. And one day, this woman, Trey Vassallo, was subpoenaed, and she talked— was on. She, yes. So she was um, testified about— being harassed by the same guy who Ellen Powell mm-hmm. had been harassed by. And after that happened, this is all according to Trey. So Trey was a partner at Kleiner Perkins. She was harassed by this guy. She did all the right things. She reported it she to did. HR. Mm-hmm. The guy was fired. She ended up leaving Kleiner. She now has her own VC firm called Defy. But she never talked about it publicly until she was subpoenaed. Right. And according to Trey, after she testified— all these women came out of the woodwork and were they did. emailing her. And they're all saying, hey, thank you so much for talking about this. I've had similar experiences. And Trey was honestly overwhelmed because mm-hmm. she thought she had thought she was all alone in this experience. Mm-hmm. And she also felt a little bit guilty because the only reason she talked about this was because she was subpoenaed. Right. So, you know, what she said was, hey, I had no idea this was such a prevalent issue. I want to learn more about it. Let's do some market research. Mm-hmm. And she was walking and talking with her friend, Hillary Michael, who was my friend, uh, who I work, my colleague at Yahoo. And Hillary said, oh, if you want to do market research, talk to Michelle. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got, I got involved. And it was really a kind of collaborative effort between a, a number of women, some Stanford affiliation. And we reached out to our network of senior level women in Silicon Valley 
and surveyed them about their experiences. And, of course, the first thing that we did once we had the results is I said, hey, Kara, mm-hmm. uh, can we yes, talk debut. to you about it? Right, yes. <laughs> and this was a long time ago. This was before all the Me Too stuff. Exactly. Way so, before. Yes. Yeah, so we, the the podcast was um, January 2016. It was when it was released. Mm-hmm. And after that happened, what was interesting is that we had built a website. So you can still go to elephantinthevalley.com, and some of the stats are there. And there was also a way for women to enter their stories. Right. So after the podcast, we had got 600 women entering their stories on our website, and every media outlet wanted to talk to us. Mm-hmm. So we wrote, you know, for Time. We wrote for, you know, we were published in Newsweek, the Irish Times, Vogue, like really mm-hmm. kind of well, random stuff. But go ahead. All yeah. right. So, <laughs> so you have this stat data from all these women telling stories, and you're trying to collect statistics too. Yes. Correct? Yes. Right. And it, yeah. So it's not just stories. Stories are critical. Obviously. No. Right. And and the the one stat which um, I, this is a headline which I love, which was from the SFist, that 60% of women in tech are sexually harassed and more numbers to make you throw up, <laughs> which I thought was like a great headline for a story. But yeah. th- th- that was, of course, was the thing that got um, mm-hmm. picked up most. So after that, we got contacted by South by Southwest mm-hmm. and, you know, um, Trey got the email and I was like, oh, I'm going to South by Southwest. Let me, I'll talk to them. They probably wanted just to be on a panel. And the next thing we know, they said, hey, will you keynote at South by Southwest? Yeah. They tried to get you to interview oh, they us. Did? Okay. All right. And you were already booked. I was they don't want booked. you like doing oh, two yeah, things. Whatever. So Those anyway. Stupid rules of South by Southwest. <laughs> so, you know. By the way, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer. I get to say whatever I want about South, South by Southwest. Okay. Yeah, I have a special badge and shit. I can probably like damage people if I oh, want well, to. Yeah, you podcast, drink whatever you I podcast. want. I really like the podcast of Kathy Griffin. Oh, that was that. great. That was so oh, good. Oh, man. I like her so much more. She texts me all the time now. She's okay. my bestie on the text. Okay. Well, go was, ahead. Um, so, Should I let her come to code, or do you think that's just a disastrous idea? Uh, why not? Because it could be a disastrous idea. Oh, she can come. She I can make know. trouble. Okay. She, anyway. So... You know, you get to speak. You're Hall of Famer. Like, for me, I'm a market researcher. It was a big deal for me to be able to keynote at South by Southwest. And that year, Obama was speaking. So I have a PowerPoint slide with my face next to his, which mm-hmm. I try to show as many places as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at South by Southwest, we do this panel. Trey's on there. Megan's on there. Um, uh, Laura Weidman-Power from mm-hmm. Code 2040. Sure. And in the audience is a woman who is from an organization called the 3% Movement, which is focused on getting more women in senior creative positions in advertising. And she contacted me afterwards and said, oh, my God, I would love to replicate this research for the advertising community. Sure. And you know that before I worked in at Yahoo, I was in advertising for my first half of my career, mm-hmm. and I saw much more egregious behavior there. Sure. And so I was like, yes, let's do this for advertising. So we published something called Elephant on Madison Avenue. You can also download that research. Someone from Automotive News contacted me and said, oh, my God, the automotive, automotive is. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Automotive News published it, mm-hmm. market research. So we now have all this research kind of comparing the different industries. Mm-hmm. This is all because of you. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> well anyway, you you got the word out all there, right, which so is kind of awesome. Where are we now? So I know I know you want to get to where we're now, I do. but I do want to talk about just a comparison to different industries. All right. Okay. Yes. 
So when I first got the statistics, 60% of women have been uh, subjected to unwanted sexual events. I was like, that seems super high. Is that high? Is it not high? I couldn't find any comparable statistics. The best thing I could find was a Cosmo survey Mm -hmm. in 2015 that said one in three women, 18 to 34, had been sexually harassed. All right, whatever. They make that up. But go ahead. So, I mean, it's higher. 60% is higher. Compared to other industries, advertising, surprisingly, was lower, 54%. Automotive, higher, 65%. Market research, woohoo, I work in a good industry, 35%. Mm -hmm. So still not great, but much better. Um, There are some other differences. Advertising, women are most likely to have been asked to do lower-level tasks. So like the kind of work. Go ahead. Yeah, the work mom kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Automotive is obviously the most for sexual sexual, um, harassment. So other industries have also reached out. So Tech industry is bad. A lot of other industries bad. There are different nuances for each of them. Right. But at least now we have a, a way to say, okay, this is how we compare to some other industries. We'd love to get more. Interesting. This was an issue. This is a way Vinod Kosla tried to—actually, Nelly did a really great interview with him at the Commonwealth. I think it was a Commonwealth Club. And they— uh, uh, talked about that, and I think he was like, well, lots of industries are bad, which I thought was a lame friggin' excuse for bad behavior. But anyway, you know, that was the idea. It's not different than anywhere else, which I don't think is the point, but but tell me why you wanted to compare them. Because I think that to understand, like, for a woman coming into tech, is it, oh, is this much worse than if you go into finance, Mm -hmm. if you go into academia? Like, you know, we don't want to scare away women from joining our industry Mm -hmm. because we are worse than other industries. Right, right. And the fact is that, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement across industries. Right, right. Okay. So you compared these all, and then where's this new study? Okay, okay. so 2018. I was like, okay, it's three years later. All this stuff has happened. There's the Me Too that's happened. There's the Susan Follow that's happened. Um, the Google walkout kind of happened afterwards, mm-hmm. right? But basically, the answer is everyone's getting sexual harassed or bother, or there's some gender bias. Everywhere. Yeah, but there's much more visibility into it, right? right? And much mm-hmm. more just open discussion mm-hmm. about it. So I said, hey, I want to relaunch this survey three years later. Let's see if anything has changed. With the w- same women? Same cohort of cohort women. Cohort of women, yeah. right. So okay. we actually had 300 women in uh, 2018, 200 mm-hmm. women in 2015. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share with you stats on some of the stuff that's worse, some of the stuff that's the same, but I really want to focus on some of the stuff that gives me hope. Okay. okay? Well, before we do that, because I want to do that next section, talk to me about what's the goal of this for you to be doing these? And the next thing I want to talk about, the, in the next section I want to talk about the results, but what is the goal of doing studies like this and continuing to do studies? What do you think the point is? Yeah, so for me, I think that the way to make improvements is, to, first of all, to have a benchmark, to mm-hmm. say like, Let's make people aware of all these issues. And, yeah, sexual harassment is one thing, but there's the things like not looking women in the eye. There's the things like, you know, having the women take the notes in the meetings. There's the, you know— All um, the thousand little slights. Yeah, you know, the death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to a lot of, you know, men who are pro-women, promoting women— they had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. there's really, a, you know, you know, you know who the bad actors are, and you know that when you see it. Right. But you don't know all the little slights that happen every day. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was interesting. One of the things that I found interesting when we were doing the the, the coverage of uh, Ellen Powell's trial, which I thought was a real watershed moment for Silicon Valley, and Susan Fowler was the second. You know what I mean? The two yeah. of them, sort of, I, I think of them 
connected in some way, is that every woman, when we did that coverage, it was really important to do it that much and with such gifted writers and such good reporters um, because we wanted to put a put a light on it. I thought that was critically important. And so, and, and then people started picking it up because it's an, also an interesting story. There's, you know, there's sex, right. money, and weirdness, you know, everywhere. Leather jackets. Leather jackets, whatever. <laughs> there's a lot of weird going on there. It's interesting, and it also gives you a real, uh, you know, you can see it other places. People yeah. can understand it, and great characters, et cetera. So what was fascinating with people reading it, and we were trying to create a narrative around it so people would tune in every day, you know, yeah. with that great writing and that great reporting. What was really interesting is that every woman I ran into had 10 stories like that. Everyone. Yeah. And they often, they were very much on a scale. Um, and they loved to read it because they were they were like, I see myself, you know what I mean, which was interesting. On a scale of those little slights, like take notes, get the coffee, that kind of stuff, to very serious sexual harassment. Now, most people were down in this area, like down in the slights area, the, yep. the lack of promotion, the treatment, somewhere in the middle, which are just gross remarks, and the others were... Lesser people, but still significant, were over here. And it was really interesting. Ten, ten, ten. Everyone had ten, like at least ten examples. I have ten, which I can't believe, but I do. I could recount ten. And all the really good men who I consider, I use that sort of a loose term, but people who I don't consider, you know, schmucks. schmucks. There's, there's, we all know the schmucks, right? Yeah. Then there's the jerks, but then there's most people. Uh, didn't know anything about it. Didn't know didn't either weren't paying attention, willfully ignoring their own stupid behavior sometimes, or didn't notice it when it was happening around them, or it was really interesting, just didn't know. And it was like, is it because the women don't tell them or they aren't paying attention or a combination of the both? And it was very interesting. I remember thinking, that's why we have to keep telling the stories. That's why we keep putting the statistics out, just so people get it. So they can't look away, I guess. Yeah. Look, they can't look away, which is interesting. So what is the reason? You you want to call it Elle in the Valley because it's the elephant in the room that nobody, everyone pretends not to see. Um, yeah. Do you believe that's still the case? They pretend not to see it now, I, between then and now? I think I think there's a lot more visibility. That's interesting. Maybe we should change the name, right? Yeah. But it's a, kind of a catchy name. But right. I do think that there's a lot more awareness among, you know, men and women and calling each other out on that. Mm -hmm. So women also are feeling more confident to call out men or to, like, support other women in meetings when men are kind of mansplaining mm -hmm. or taking their ideas as their own. Right, which are the typical ones. But there's yeah. more insidious ones yeah. than that. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk more about what the research was that you found in between the two things. With Michelle Maydansky, she is, a, what do you call it, an independent? Media market research. Media market research. Consultant. Used to work at Yahoo, worked all around the Valley with lots of companies. And she did research into harassment and discrimination in the tech industry several years ago called Elephant in the Valley. And she's back with the new information now. This week on The Pitch, we're back to pitches. And this one's coming from my job. What Podcast AI does is it lets podcast producers become 10 times more productive. How much are you charging The Pitch? <laughs> we're charging $99. And Josh came in right before we doubled our prices. Mm -hmm. What's keeping something like a restream from just going like, yep, we do all this AI now stuff too? So there's a lot of these older companies that are tacking on AI, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the issue. They're tacking it on. You built this really quickly. What's to stop anybody else from doing this? What's, what's the moat? How do you build a moat when you're building with AI? That's this week on The Pitch. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hey, it's Tom Warren, Senior Editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So, I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox, to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. We're back with Michelle Medansky. She's the author of Elephant in the Valley, which talks about her, it was a surveys and research she did into harassment and discrimination uh, in the tech industry. So we had before, and now we have now. So let's talk about now. Yep. Compare it to before, too. Talk about the results you got. Okay, so... I am going to talk about—I'm going to start with the bad and move to the better. All okay. Right, okay. So we're starting with the what's worse. Okay. Percent asked to do lower-level tasks went from 47% in 2015 to 61% in wow. 2018. Is that just because people are reporting them more, or what do you think? And, you know, I don't know. I think that they may be more aware of what that could be. Right. But, they ignored um, it before. Yeah. So two of the quotes I have here, one colleague said— Oh, men can't multitask like you when I asked him to take the notes instead of me. Mm-hmm. Like, ridiculous. And then another woman, I thought this was interesting, not fetch the coffee, but more emotional labor these days, literally smooth this over. So she wasn't talking about, like, you know, taking notes, but more like you deal with that problem employee or you mm-hmm. deal with that, you know, problem client. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a, di- a different hmm. take on it. women are better at that. Yeah, probably. yeah. Not so, me. Whenever they send me in, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> we have different personalities. That, but that, that's, a whole th- that's a whole separate conversation, yeah. which is around, I feel like there are women, mm-hmm. and like you and me, who, you know, can hang with the guys. Mm-hmm. And we have no, you know, we've been very successful. Mm-hmm. And It does, it matters. And yeah. It really, you know, but we want to make this a place where someone who doesn't have our personality, who's quieter, who's less likely yep. to interrupt, I agree. can be successful. Yeah, I'm an Olympic nagger. It works beautifully. <laughs> it's weird. Anyway. Nagger, yeah. Nagger. Okay, so the second thing, this is not what's worse, but one of the questions I ask is, is there anything that you think that we should have asked that we didn't? And we totally forgot to ask about compensation in okay. the first well, study. That's key. And there's been a lot of studies since yeah. then. But so on. 60% of the women say that they're less well compensated than their male peers. 18% say it's equal, 3% more favorable, 90% no, don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you actually rebase to get rid of the people who don't know, three and four women believe that they are less well compensated. Mm-hmm. A lot of them actually had proof, like mm-hmm. men leaving their W-2s on the printer, right. things like that. So, Okay, so that's the what's worse. Right. What's the same? Two stats are exactly the same. So the sexual harassment, 60% 2015, 59% wow. 2018. And what did you co- – how did you describe The way I describe it, that's yeah. a very good question because I think that partly explains why there are such wild differences. Mm-hmm. But the way I phrased it was um, people who are sub- – we use subjected to an unwanted sexual advance. So it wasn't like you were um, – you know, necessarily accosted, Mm -hmm. but it was an unwanted sexual advance. A comment or a touch or something like that. But it's, you have to define it your own way, right? Right, okay. So um, I think that's another thing about kind of using the same survey instrument across industries Mm -hmm. because how, the way that you phrase it can really vary how people respond. Sure. So this was any unwanted sexual. Yeah. Could be touching, could be not touching, could be words. Yes. Okay. And did you ask people to differentiate? I did not. But okay. We had a lot of anecdotes, and I think a lot of them were 
you know, advances. Right. And some of them were, you know, more a cost. Mm-hmm. The other thing, which is exactly the same, was that two and three felt excluded from key social and networking events because of their gender. Right. So how many stories about golf, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, how many stories? I just read someplace. I don't know where about that strip club in Soma. Oh, is there a There strip was something club? about that, like gold. I don't know. Oh, even, Gold's Coast. The gold yeah, coast. it's like never. I walked by it all the time. I didn't even know where it was. Okay. And I, I love this one story. This woman said, I was excluded from a whiskey tasting. And the guy who organized it said he thought that I needed to be home to pick up my kids. What? And she doesn't, she doesn't have kids. That's Whoa. like the, <laughs> that's the clincher. <laughs> so there's all this like, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just an excuse to get together with the guys right. and exclude yeah. them. And I mean, Trey talks about like these yeah, women are extreme skiers. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a really good skier, so she can like go on these ski trips. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, oh, well, we only have an Airbnb and there's no room for the women there or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But yeah. that's that so remains many, the same. Right. And I think that's a big problem. Like I, I you know, again, I personally have not seen any, had any, um, you know, active harassment, but I have seen a lot of the women, there's this whole network of the Yahoo diaspora, mm-hmm. and we've all done, you know, well, but all the men who are putting each other on each other's boards, the men are all putting each other yep. on each other's boards, not the yep. women. Yep. I don't yep. say it right. Yep. Okay. So that's the he-man, no lady, no women club. Yeah. Spanky. Thing. Exactly. Okay. What, what's the, the one up in? Uh, oh, that thing. I think about raiding it every now and then. Yeah, we That's the, totally, in the we woods. Totally crash What's their it. name? The Bohemian. Bohemian. The Bohemian My brother's Russia. a doctor up there. Oh. He does doctor with a lot of old guys, I think. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about what's better. Okay. Okay. So, Kara, I listen to your podcast a lot. Okay. I don't listen to it at all. You are completely, you're so prolific. I'm it's prolific. It's ridiculous. Eric is sick of me, I think. Okay, Eric, but, are you sick of me? No. Okay. But I have to say, I, I agree with you 90% of the time. Right. But I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, tech rigged the elections. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I didn't do it. You know, it. we're enabling a culture of hate mm-hmm. um, and yeah. divisiveness. Check. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't done anything for the environment. Check. Double check. Okay. Well, Elon and Bill Gates are trying. All of our, you know, the, the teachers and the policemen and everything in our schools have to move 100. Oh, I'm talking to London Breed about that tonight. Okay. Check, so, check. Yes. Yeah. So, um, check, check. not to mention the homeless, we're not doing anything about hey, homelessness, that right? So, yeah. like, I'm like, do we want to stay here? Do we want to sell? You know what? Huh? AirPods are great. <laughs> let, me, let me bring in a positive thing about technology. Okay, I love my AirPods. Go so, ahead. I am going to be saying though. So, what I want you to say here is that why the co-author of Elephant in the Valley is optimistic about the future of women. In tech. Oh, so that's what Eric to be the thing. Yeah, okay. Want, uh, All right. Okay. Yeah, All right. There All right. Was Go another ahead. one, which was not. Okay. So, okay. All right. So, um, and I'm going to frame wants this to write as, our headlines. We're not going to let her. We're going <laughs> to humor her right now. But. And I'm going to frame this as progress, not perfection. Okay. Right here. All right. Okay. okay. Fewer have heard demeaning comments from men on right. multiple occasions. So okay. that has been a little bit better. Yeah, they're smarter. They're okay. not going to do those. They worry. Okay. They're worried. Fewer have reported men making eye contact with male peers, but not with Women. So they're getting more eye contact. Yeah, and maybe they're like less Asperger. Okay. You know, that yeah. could be it. Okay, yeah. so that's good. All right. So those were questions I asked 2015. In this next survey, I also asked some specific questions about like Me Too and diversity mm-hmm. inclusion. So Because again, Me Too had not happened. Right, exactly. So right. this yeah. Susan had happened, right? Had Susan, no. no, Susan hadn't happened. No. Right. Yeah, it was just so Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. It was Ellen Powell, but it wasn't Susan Fowler. It wasn't was this famous me, memo yeah. Susan Fowler did. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So agree that Silicon Valley has become a better place for women to succeed. 57% said no change. 16% said it's more challenging. But 
that's a positive. There's 27 percent are saying, hey, it's, it's become what better. Was it before? This is a new question. This is a new question. That's not a very good number there. It is good. Michelle, it's a terrible number. It's not terrible. This, there's the positive. There's the like, okay. All right. The, the fifty. Gla- what is the amount that said no? No, they say it's, there's no change. No, there's change. no change. No change. No change. Same old, same old. Good. Yeah. So, but there's, there's okay. Well, that's not a positive. There's a glad the Uber brothers were finally taken down. Yeah. There's more awareness of the problem, but people don't know how to fix it. Right. It's, it's easier to speak up when incidents arise. Yeah. So there's like, there's awareness. This is like... Awareness. Is, like, is that the first step? Yeah. The awareness is the first step to enlightenment or something like that. Okay. I think you have to keep hitting them. Okay. Hard. Um, okay. Has the focus on gender bias in Silicon Valley and Me Too been helpful or harmful to the industry? 58% helpful. Helpful. Yes. Okay. That's, that's a good. small number though. I think it should be 58%. higher. 58%. It should be like 100 35% say no difference. Okay, all right. 77% harmful. So, so there is, there is like, you know, what I've heard is like, now men are afraid to go have, yeah, yeah. you know, have lunch with women, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not... Someone said that to me the other day. Now I'm afraid. I'm like, just don't touch their boob and it should be fine. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> but, but that's a positive number, that all it has right. been helpful. All okay. Right. Okay, positivity. Yes. Paula, um, positivity. I know, and I'm not a Pollyanna, but I really like <laughs> I do. Okay. Six in 10 have said that their companies launched a diversity and inclusion program, which is neither here. Everyone's doing that. Yeah. But among those, half have said that the programs have actually helped the atmosphere and oh, acceptance okay. of women in underrepresented All right, under- so they're good programs, not these ridiculous, like, let's hire unusually looking people to, like, do our diversity programs. You know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, they do like they they don't give them teeth. They don't give them true teeth to really change things. Right. So it's not right. just it's not just. So a, they feel like they're they're helpful. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So okay. that's the good. Is there so any companies th- that are better than others? Well, I you know I don't know. I I was you know Mark you Mark Benioff is one of the like. Mark you know, is a good guy. I know. I was like you you do have like occasion. I'm like oh I'm so uplifted by listening to one yeah. of your yeah. people. Okay. So, yeah. um, he's a good guy. So. That's the quantitative reasons, but there's other qualitative reasons that I am personally optimistic. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so right. we talked about the awareness in Silicon Valley, um, and there is this genuine surprise about the men, you know, for men not understanding, which you've identified also. The second reason is the next generation of men. Okay. So um, from the research, I looked at the data of sexual harassment of women under 40 versus over 40. Okay. And those under 40... Only 53% only, only 53% have had an unwanted sexual advance, and those of us over 40, 65%. Yeah. Wow. The same is true in the advertising community. All right. And we can be cynical, and we can say the reason that happens is, is that the more conferences you go to, right. and the more you travel internationally, there's more chances to meet sure. a schmuck, right? Right, a schmuck. Or you can say, you know what, this younger generation of men are more aware mm-hmm. and you know, just better actors. Yeah. And that's the narrative that Probably I... Probably they use more online porn. But anyway, no, I'm teasing <laughs> you. I think it, th- that is an improvement. It is, it's still 50. That's still too many. I mean, it, I'm sorry. Of course it's too many, but right. it is, but it's the fact that that younger, hopefully that as it continues... Right. So is it that the younger men are not sexually harassed as much or the older men have stopped sexually harassing younger women? Like, I, that that yeah. haven't identified. Yeah. So we need, we need more sample and we need other stuff to right. kind of get at that. But... So that's kind of so the millennial ask, story. Was it a creepy old dude or a creepy young dude? Kind of thing? <laughs> like, what, which which creepy was it? Which level of creepy was it? 
and and there's of course there's creeps across the. Well, board. it's also it is a level where I mean, look at this stuff around Biden. I mean, you know, even though he is, seems functionally unable to say I'm sorry to anybody, um, it's a really the awareness of what he's doing. I think I don't think he'll be grabbing anybody again ever again in his life, like or touching them without their permission. Uh, Al Franken also. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's a, the awareness is massive now. How much people should pay for that is a good question. Right. You know what I mean? That's really. Probably they won't pay that much. Whatever you think of it, they probably won't. Like people are going to just give it a buy because it's not like Harvey Weinstein level right. behavior. No, there's gradations, and right. I mean, it's I, hard to do that. I have I've had several people recently come up to me and saying, "Shouldn't we just give everyone a buy now? Who isn't that bad?" I'm like, I don't know. I don't believe I said I don't know, and then I said, "No, let's not." It was interesting. It was an interesting question, but you see yeah. that more and more. Right. So where do we go from here? Okay, with these? so, okay, there's okay. more, though. Okay, good. I'm, I'm I like it. Okay, I want Gen more. Z. Gen, Gen Z. Z. Okay, right. Louis. I, Louis, I, my son. Your son. I, my, I have two Gen Z sons. Right. And Louis was awesome on your podcast. Yeah, he did. He was, he was eloquent. He was, you know. Yes. He did really, a really good job. And I look at, so my two sons, my um, older son is in college. His first semester of college, he went to Greece and his roommate was transgender. Mm-hmm. And it was like, he, yeah, didn't, okay. he didn't even think that it was like, oh, by the way, my yeah. roommate's transgender. My younger son has roomed with transgender students at, mm-hmm. you know, youth group retreats. But I think for this generation, they just have different attitudes towards humans. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you're raised. I mean, look, I, the, we, the coasts are the coasts, right. You know, my, I, my kid has been raised in a very liberal environment. And I think, but I do think, I actually think it's more than that because I have another son who's a little more conservative, I would say. But I think they're both like, what the hell is that a problem for? You know, you can get that. And I think a lot more kids than you think of from all areas of the country are like that. They're not, you could, there was actually a recent interesting evangelical statistic that the older people are still obsessed with the gay thing and the younger people are like, let's Whatever. just stop. Move on. Let's yeah. just move on. Let's let Pete Buttigieg get married and leave him alone. It's nice that he's religious and married. And so it's, the statistics are really quite glaring, actually, in terms of young versus old, which is fascinating. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely Gen Z is a different group of people, yeah. including around issues around women. And I don't think he feels—my uh, younger son's too young to think about this, but I don't think he feels burdened by it. Like, he doesn't think, oh, what a bummer, I can't be an asshole. I just think that's the way they think, right? You know, like, I don't have to—he doesn't feel like he has to change because he never behaved like that, if that makes sense. Right. So, no, the, a, lot the bro of the, culture a lot of, of the men are like, oh, victims, I can't do that anymore. Like, they feel bad about—you know, you get that thing. But Gen Z people don't. They just don't. I, I mean, think it's, it is the most—you know, it's the most multicultural generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're most open-minded. A hundred percent. I mean, and also, they also— find it offensive. They find it gross, I think, which is interesting. Although I have to say, my son just related something to me about someone in his class that was kind of gross. But he, but he also was like, I put a stop to it. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, they feel responsibility. Um, right. Now, of course, I, I have like drilled it into him that it's his responsibility to see something and do something. But it's really, it is an interesting, it, it should be interesting to see the next statistics you get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So another, okay. another trend, which I'm optimistic about is the rise of breadwinner moms. Ah. So um, Liz Mundy, do you mm-hmm. know who she is? Yeah. She wrote a book called The yeah. Richer Sex. Yeah, and I went to journalism school with her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. But, you know, 58% of college graduates now are female in the United States, and globally it's over 50%. That mm-hmm. was a stat. And when you go to visit colleges, if, especially if you go to these small liberal arts schools, mm-hmm. a lot of them are 70% female. Right. So it's— um, 
at Yahoo, there were a lot of women like myself who were the breadwinner moms. Mm-hmm. But and what um, does that mean, breadwinner? I mean, oh, so according to Pew, yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you for for asking. For according welcome. to Pew, the woman just has to earn a dollar more than the men. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Like so, in in my case, Travis was a stay at home dad for mm-hmm. a decade when I moved here, and there were not. I mean, he could not find other men in Menlo Park who were stay at home dads. Right. right. So it's. I think just the the overall acceptance of women as breadwinner moms, as men in kind of different roles, is going to change the narrative around the workplace and the home place. All right. We're going we're gonna to get back in a second with Michelle Medansky. She is the author of the studies Elephant in the Valley about gender uh, discrimination and sexual harassment, and she's come back with some new stats. We're going to talk about that a little more and then what we can do to make the numbers better going forward. We're here with Michelle Medansky. She is a researcher, and she did a study that I did a podcast with her and Travis Vassello uh, many years ago uh, called Elephant in the Valley. It was about how women in tech looked at sexual harassment and gender discrimination. She has since done a lot of research in other industries like advertising and automotive, um, and she's back with new tech information. She's been relating a lot of it, and one of the things we just talked about was breadwinner moms, and how does that affect younger people? Is that they're less what? Well, I think that there's this, you know, as there are more women who are getting undergraduate degrees, who are getting graduate degrees, mm-hmm. they're going to be more poised to be the breadwinners in their families, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be this natural evolution where we need to navigate, they need to navigate, just as I did, the work environment. Like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, if you're the breadwinner, you need to be able to work in whatever environment, whether that's tech mm-hmm. or education, et cetera. And so the workplace is going to have to adjust to that. And as well as the, you know, our home lives. Mm-hmm. So men taking on more responsibilities in the home, you know, et cetera. So I think that just that kind of, that discussion around roles, and there was an article in the New York Times I just read, it was about two, a couple that were lawyers mm-hmm. and talking about how the woman Does went to 20, he, no, she, yeah, she went to 20 hours a week and the husband works 60 hours a week and he makes five times as much as mm-hmm. her, right? But that that's not the, you know, the narrative is shifting mm-hmm. so that, you know, uh, women can do that and men can take the lower. You yeah, know. the lesbians already figured this one yeah, out. The lesbians. So you know. <laughs> yeah. lesbians should raise all men. That is my new book. Right. Well, that's why. Uh, so I'm, do, I'm, do, I'm doing research. I'm doing research around breadwinner moms. Mm-hmm. And if there's any listeners who are breadwinner moms who want to talk to me, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping to write a book about it. But I think, yeah, I mean, the, the same sex couples have figured it out. The, we're just getting there. Yeah. And, you know, it's slow, but Keep it, up. It, it, but we have to because there's just more and more women who are, are poised. I mean, I have a, a PhD in business. My husband has a philosophy undergraduate degree. Yeah. And that's, I mean, but that's, you know. What were you thinking? The good Travis, not yeah. the other Travis. <laughs> you have the good Travis. The there's good. lots of good Travises. So, so let's talk about what, how you change that because the numbers still remain glaringly obvious that white yeah. men rule the roost continually. Like every time they leave, even when those reports come out, I'm like, oh, once again, it just doesn't move. The needle doesn't move. It seems like there's no effort. Um, as much as they say there's efforts, it feels like maybe it's priority number 15. Um, just recently, one of the big CEOs called me. They were adding someone to the staff, and it was a very, it had been a very male dominated staff. And I was like, Is it a woman? And he goes, No. And I was hanging up before. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hear about it. I just, okay. I'm not writing about it. I'm not writing about it. I just, I'm tired of it. It's, and I wasn't trying to like push uh, numbers on him, but it was like, 
really? You can't find... And it was a role where there were plenty of women candidates. That's why I was irritated with them. So how do you change the numbers? Because I think that's part of it, right? And power and being in power. So the last reason that I'm optimistic is, and and I think this is one of the ways that you change the narrative, Mm -hmm. is more women supporting other women. Mm -hmm. So you think about, like, one of the things in reading the Ellen Powell book, which I finally read, what was said to me was that there was a number of part, you know, partners or junior partners or whatever they were, but they weren't really supporting each other. And mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of places oh, where— they're the, scared. What? They seem scared, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the, the culture wasn't right, but, right. you know, they sort all, of eat-and-be-eaten culture over there, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, it's like— what you eat or whatever. So maybe that's the culture. But I think that in a lot of places where there are only very few women on the top, you don't want to be seen as like, I'm having lunch with the other woman, right? right. Like, you have to be one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen over the past few years is all these women supporting each other more. Mm-hmm. So— you see that through, you know, these informal groups like the Yahoo Diaspora Women's mm-hmm. Group that I'm part of that we yeah, there's all get— a lot to, of lady groups now. Yeah. yeah, that we all get—I mean, it's just like we all just get together and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of support each other in whatever is needed. You see people like Aileen Lee and Tina Sharkey, like, always pumping each other up on social media, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and you do that also, yeah. to your credit. Yeah. But I think that we're seeing more of that and the more— um, you know, board list, et cetera. When, I don't know when the board list started. but Yeah, but it's the idea of that you can create these things. I know part of it is great, although you do get pushback from men, like, why do you have women's only groups? I'm like, really? You need to stop. Well, they can they can be welcome to yes. have a seat at the table no, and, <laughs> and give us and give us board well, positions. You know, obviously, you know, Cheryl Sandberg did this years ago. It's been written about like her women's groups were really interesting. That was very early, like oh, women's only dinners where she brought in big yeah. names and stuff like that. I never got invited. Oh, sorry, but, yeah. they were you great. and Mary Lou got invited. <laughs> They're great, um, but uh, but the the concept of it is that is women supporting women. But I'm talking about actual change of people getting into high ranking positions. How, does that make will that make a difference from your perspective or not at all? Maybe not. Because um, there's been lots. I mean, women at top companies that are have problems. I think that it would definitely make a difference. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, um, was it uh, Frida Kapoor? Yes, that was Frida Kapoor. Fr- yeah, with, I mean, uh, uh, Teddy Schlieffer. Yeah, and the whole um, discussion around board members being mm-hmm. responsible for the companies and making that an imperative, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, calling, you know, companies out and, have you know, having more diverse boards certainly will help, yeah. right? If you have a more diverse board, then it would help get more diversity in the C-suite. Presumably. And that, w- and that will help with the culture, what, presumably. What depresses me is women that have to do the heavy lifting or people of color that have to be the ones doing the heavy lifting on this in a weird way. You'd think that most people would find this a good idea or at least a normal idea and not something, not seen as something that's like, oh, I'm going to have to be PC here. It's just a good thing. Yeah, I mean, why? I mean, Why would they would behave it, like this? Yeah, no, I mean, why? I mean, I think... The onus is on everybody. But yes, why, that's what yeah. well, I don't know why the onus is never on the men. It just isn't as much. It's usually you've got to get three women in there and they have to push for women. I think that women get tired of that, I think, like having to do that. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, the men should be responsible for that as yeah. well. Yeah. So, what, so, so you're talking about positive things. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? There's been a little bit of a backlash to the concepts, like of Me Too and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm or not. fatigue is more than backlash, I think. No, I mean, I think that those conversations of, like, the men not going to have lunch with the women, I, I'm not as worried about that. I think mm-hmm. that people will get over that. And for me, I think the important thing is that we— really understand where we are at a point in time and try to make changes based on that. Mm -hmm. So what I would love to see is, first of all, like a larger scale study Mm -hmm. where we can not only analyze this by 
you know, women, but by LGBT, by people of color, by ageism. I mean, there's all these kind of you know, what, intersectionality. I don't like that word. Like, like covariates, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are also impacting people in, in our industry. So being able to kind of say, like, we can't say we have an ageism problem unless we actually measure that. Right. Right. You know, which we, is important <laughs> to these people. Right. Right. So you need to do that. I would love to see companies taking the onus and doing that themselves mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I'm going to measure where we are at this point in time and then make objectives around shifting some of this, not just around like the numbers, but how people are feeling in terms of being included. Well, part of it also has to do with HR. They're supposed to, that's supposed to be to me what HR is, and, it, and instead it turns out to be a defender of the company versus a, trying to change, a change agent too often at a lot of these companies. It becomes a logistical thing. They become managing problems versus managing change. Um, or pushing change. Yeah, no, and I think a lot of the women said, especially on the sexual harassment, they did not report, um, you know, these incidents because they felt the HR would not be supporting them. No, and no. those who did, a lot of times had bad experience. I mean, look, I mean, the the, the Susan Fowler thing is ridiculous, right? Right, right. <laughs> common, but common. Right. I don't think it's but, out, but, an outlier. But look, they've changed. I mean, you know. Yeah, they still have a lot are of you, men in those C-suites. But are you—I mean, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about the future of Uber with— um, Yeah, I guess—I don't think it's a compliment to say they're not quite as, you know, awful. Like, right. <laughs> they're not quite as, you know, grabby and mean to women. I just—that's—I don't know if that's—it's sort of like a—it's a low bar. To me, it's a right, low right, bar. Right, I right. find it— um, you know, it reminds me of when I was uh, coming out. My mom's like, "Look, I was nice to you for being." I was like, "That's not. You don't get a. You don't get a star for, for being for being a decent person." Right. Um, so I think that's one of the parts is that that I still I still get the feeling that the priority is not on that, and it's just it's an irritant versus a positive. That's my sense, but maybe I'm not, I'm wrong. Um, well, I have to look at the Frida Kapoor's. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, apparently we'll see how her fund is doing, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mean, there's, but then you don't even know what the, how the results are skewed because of your ability to access people, right? And and so some people have more access than others. That's true. You know, I think that's where the real problem is, is the access and the ability to... Just the ability to get in the room. To get in the room. Not the elephant in the room. To get in the room, even if the elephant's there. Right. So I think that there are more stories coming out also. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I'm on the board of an organization called Wograma, which is focused— Wograma? Wograma. Women (laughs) program. It was two two Facebook engineers who started it. Check us out. That's a terrible name, but I love it anyway. (laughs) So it's all about just telling stories of women in STEM, right? Right. And I think the more that we tell those stories about, you know, the positive things that women are doing, that— Woman who um, oh. did the black hole. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. She was, she was awesome. <laughs> yes. the only, here's, I'll tell you what bothered me about that. Like they kept saying woman, and I was like, she's a programmer, my friend. She's not a woman programmer. Like I had someone the other day, like you're the best woman journalist. I'm like, I'm the best journalist. Like sorry. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was a really interesting. And it's not that I didn't want to celebrate being a woman. It's that that wasn't the point of my work or her work or anyone's work. No, Thank but you. it That's is. My, but it That's is my the, TED talk. But it is the fact that. She was clearly responsible, yes. and she was being featured as the woman yes. behind the black, the person behind the black hole right, photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and she was adorable. Right, she was adorable. <laughs> she was smart and everything else. So, talk. Like, let's finish up talking about what needs to happen next at these companies. If you were to go in with these numbers, what do you say to the companies you may be advising? So, give me five okay. things they have to do. So, or, number or one many. is understand what's happening in your company. Right? right, like you need to understand where these 
challenges are mm-hmm. and and what they are. Is is it you know the egregious stuff? Is it the you know death by a thousand cuts? And what are they? And where in which areas of the company and which segments of your work your working population um, so that we can fix that? Number two, you know boards need to be responsible. There needs to be more diversity on boards. There needs to be more diversity in the C-suite. And, you know, I think there's the make your C-suite like your consumer base, right? That's just a good motto to have. An excellent motto to have. And, you know, I, again, I am not, I'm not in HR. I'm not in diversity inclusion. I'm just trying to shed a light on the stories. And I think that shedding a light and making people aware and share the data, like share the data of within your own company, mm-hmm. share the data within the industry so that you can understand, but you're not going to have any change unless you understand where we are at this point in time. What about, I'm going to your positivity because I'm not a positive person. Um, <laughs> I'm an I'm a optimistic pessimist. I don't know. What are you? Are you a pessimistic optimist? You're uh, an optimistic I optimist. I think I'm an optimistic pessimist. Optimistic. Yeah. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's one. It's also talking about stories that are good, too. That is one thing that I do think yeah. gets lost in this because everyone feels badly all the time, and they should. Right. Uh, but some like, I am always like, well, Mossberg changed my career. Like, and talk about, like, good outcomes yeah. when they work. Like, you can blame him or give him kudos for me, but you yeah. have to. Like, it's a, there's a through line between him, you know, to my career to him. And so I think a lot of the, those kind of things you have to talk about, which people don't. Yeah, and but, I think that's a good support point, which is that, Men mentoring women, mm-hmm. and I just was on a panel with um, Dave Smith, who wrote a book. When I'm going to forget the name of it, but it was all around men mentoring women and how important it was, and how to you know be a better mentor. Right, and I think that's a, a really important thing that kind of gets lost because for all those you know kind of schmucky guys, there's an, another Walt Mossberg out there mm-hmm. who is supporting and advocating for. And we need to be celebrating that right. and not making people feel afraid to, you know, go out to lunch with the next hot Kara Swisher because— <laughs> Kara Swisher was never hot. <laughs> Interesting. A hot journalist. Yeah. I mean, hot as in, like, yeah, you know, I get it. journalist I get, it. I get it. I get it. Proess. Proess. I'm, pro-ass. So I'm going um, to mispronounce words from now on. What do you think? I, I do it all the time. Benig instead of benign. <laughs> Malignant. <laughs> bothers people. Anyway— Michelle, do you have any final words? Um, Are you going to come back with another study in three years I'm and show me some about, better numbers? You know, I'm going to talk about, yes, I, okay. hope, I will Quit. be back here in three years. Okay. And when I have my research Bread. on breadwinner moms, I'm going to okay. come and talk about how we can create a better society with more breadwinner moms. Fantastic. It's a great idea. Until then, the lesbians will have to run everything. Uh, Michelle, <laughs> as, as you already do. <laughs> as, as we already do. It was great talking to you. Thanks for coming back on the show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Michelle, where can people find you online? MichelleMadansky.com. Uh-huh. One L. And on the Twitter? At MichelleMD. Mission D. Okay. I guess I don't have to say at. It's just Mission mm-hmm. D. Mission D. Okay. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.